this episode of Backside, <laughs> I mean Backstitch on Seam Side, <laughs> I talked to Beverly Smith, a quilter from my home state of North Carolina, and we catch up on how life has been for the last year. You know, when we talked several months ago, conversation went deep. We started talking about family history and ancestral stuff, all kinds of things. And she actually had to do some pretty serious reflection after that conversation. So I think you're really going to enjoy this update. But I would encourage you, if you haven't heard Beverly and I's first conversation, or maybe if it's been a while, go back and find it in the feed. Scroll up or down, whatever direction you got to go, find it. Listen to that conversation so you can get to know Beverly and what her work is about. And then come listen to this update. I think you're really going to enjoy getting to hear from my friend, Beverly Smith. Beverly, thank you so much for joining me here again on Seams. I, I, I can't believe it's been a year already. Wow. Time is going by quickly. And I'm like, I've got so many things to do, but I want to slow down and kind of enjoy life more this year. That's, that's, what, that's my plan. That's the goal. I think it's a beautiful mm-hmm. plan. I was talking about you recently. I don't know if your ears were burning about a month or so ago when I was at the International Quilt Museum and Uh I got to meet Dr. Carolyn Maslumi. And we were both talking about just how much we admire your work. And thank you. Dr. Maslumi especially was just so excited that you're getting as much attention and your work is getting as much attention as it is. Well deserved. Well, thank you. I was so excited to see the two of you together. I'm like, wow, my two favorite people. I wanted to tell you to hug her and kiss her when you met her, but I didn't know how the two of you would have felt about that. But we were hugging by hugs. the end of the night. We were hugging by the end of the night. Yeah, <laughs> those and are my we, vibes coming through. Yeah, definitely. We we went out to dinner. So she, you know, did a short presentation at the museum of her quilts, and then we went out to dinner afterwards. And we had what for me was a pretty pivotal conversation in the way that I'm thinking about this series. That I'm sure we'll touch on in just a minute, yes, you and me, because yes. it overlaps with a lot of our work. But it was a wonderful conversation. She's such a powerhouse. So what about you, Beverly? I mean, it's been a year and mm. you've been doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. So what do you what do you want to catch us up with? Well, first I wanna thank everyone for tuning in and to Seam Side. Okay. During our first conversation, I shared a lot about my older sister, Evangeline who has literally been that thread, that lifeline connecting me to my ancestors and helping me to call them by their names. And I'm still a believer that when loved ones pass away, we have a special connection with them, a connection that we didn't have when they were here with us in the flesh. So I just want to thank everybody for your responses from that last conversation, your support and thoughtful word. Um, I can't thank you enough. But since we last talked, I was working on this series of quilts, Last Scene Wearing. That's the title I have. And I'm still working on that series, which is based on African-Americans searching for missing relatives after the Civil War. You know, when I began that series, I thought I was fulfilling my great-great-grandmother's wishes to reunite with her twin sister, Minerva. They were born in 1821 and separated as children during slavery. But little did I know, I was also addressing my own unresolved issues, being separated from my sister. In fact... 
after that seamside conversation we had, I had to put down my needle, put down my thread, and come out of the studio to reevaluate my intentions and refocus my objectives. And so I began to use that time researching and experimenting. I went back to making my wax cakes for gravestone rubbings. I don't know if you've ever done that, Zach. I know that you have found some really good information like that uh, marriage certificate. But when I started going back to making my wax cakes, you know, I put them in a muffin pan, put them in the oven for about 350 and for about 10 minutes. Very easy. I like to use melted crayons with the darker hues, but uh, they last really long when you're rubbing. And uh, so therefore your knuckles don't rub against the headstones. And they're also very gentle too, so they don't do any damage to really old stones. But guess what? I found my great-great-grandmother's twin sister's grave in Clover, South Carolina, which is about an hour away from where I live. And right beside it was a drive through Taco Bell. So my imagination started racing, and I thought our other graves underneath that establishment. But when I went into the grave site, it was inundated with these little rock marking that emerged slightly out of the ground and they were everywhere. I've never seen that. And I do a lot of grave sites and rubbings. And when I grew up, I was taught to never step on a grave. Have you ever heard anything like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was like tipping around constantly because they were everywhere saying, excuse me, excuse me. And the further I went into the wooded area of the gravesite, my feet were sinking into the ground. My sister was with me and she had her cane. Her tip of her cane was going in almost two to three inches deep. But I did get to Minerva's gravestone and it was an erected headstone. And so I'm gathering, I'm still doing my research, that some family members gave her a new headstone with her name, the date on it. So the rubbing was very easy. But behind that gravestone, right up under hers, was another one of those little markers sticking up barely out of the ground. Uh, cedar trees everywhere. In the South, we refer to those cedar trees as uh, graveyard trees because they are supposed to cut down on the odor. And also, symbolically, you know, they stay green everlasting life year long. But I saw little stones growing up around, among the roots of the cedar trees. After that excursion, it took me about three days to regain my constitution because those little stones, they signify poverty, of being stripped of the dignity to bury your dead. And also some slave narratives said that you could get in trouble if you would put words on the tombstone because you weren't allowed to read or write. So it sat me for a good three days. And then I came back to 
my studio, but I still wasn't able to really get into the studio. But I, I have to tell you, Zach, that listening to Quilting Nook and Softball, it inspires me more than you will know. I was watching an episode. I can't remember what episode it was, but I think it was Luke sharing his experiences with Indigo Dime. And he had created this tablecloth of indigo dye. And I thought, wow, that was so significant to me having something like an intimate meal on an indigo tablecloth, which indigo can represent birth and it can also represent mourning. But he also talked about taking existing fabrics and dipping it into his vat, something I always wanted to do with ticking fabric because I use a lot of that as some of my scrap quilts. But all along, I had been investigating and researching indigo dyes and found like in the 1700s, 1740s, that in South Carolina, slaves were doing a lot of indigo dyeing before it was a cash crop before cotton. And I got so involved in it. I planned a trip to Vietnam so I could dye indigo with Tao Vu. She's a naturalist and she goes out into the outskirts of Vietnam and work with farmers to help them generate a new income by growing indigo. And I was terrified because I hadn't traveled in a while. But I got my ducks in a row. And the day before it was time for me to catch my Uber to the airport, Tao came down with COVID. Bad case of it, bedridden. And so we decided to postpone the trip. And we haven't made new arrangements, but I got right back into the studio and I started doing my own dyes, dyeing yards of ticking fabric. In fact, I completed a quilt of 75 by 113 inches, and half of it is all indigo dyed. So that was some of the things I've been doing since our last conversation. Well, and that's connecting. I got so much I want to say about what you just shared, but talking about indigo, one of our, it might have been our very first conversation when I called you on the phone that night, Damn. probably a couple years ago now. When we got to talking about, I believe they're called the white codes. Is that right? Where black folks, especially in South Carolina, weren't allowed to wear yeah, anything yeah. but the color the, white? Uh, absolutely. The, what were they referred to? Those off-white planes. Even though they were dressed in those when they first came off the slave ships to like, you know, acclimate them to that environment. But... Yeah, the garments stood out too much on the plantation. They stood out on the plantations. So, because they would usually wear the calico blues and all. So, a lot of them were dressed in the off-white garments so that they could be seen throughout the plantation from the master's view from the house. Especially at um, twilight or in the early morning when the lights yes, yes. bluer. And so, it, it's... There's a connection there with bringing indigo into your own work. I mean, it's almost yes. like a re reclamation of Yes. That and tradition. so I couldn't understand, okay, where is this coming from when I developed that interest in indigo? And then, boom, there it goes on soft bulk, which is like all oh. of those different segments are so much of my 
inspiration. You know, they are always very stimulating. I just love how they challenge me to look at quilting in different ways, to look at life differently. So I have to thank all of your presenters for sharing their works, their processes and all. But yeah, it has a big impact on my work. I'm not always able to tune in, but yeah, that indigo came right into my line of what I was doing. That's cool. That's cool. And another thing, I mean, we're not here so much talk about my work, but I got to bring it up for a second yeah. because, um, because there's a uncanny connection with what you're just talking about in mm-hmm. my next project that mm-hmm. I have lined up for next week. I don't know if you saw me a few minutes ago when you're talking about the cemetery starting to wipe my eyes because no. I don't, I just got the chills because one of the things I talked about with Dr. Meslumi is this idea of Southern white amnesia and the kind of stories that Southern white families tell and don't tell yeah. about their own past, yes. especially when it's, it involves slavery. Yeah. Same so, in my family. Same. Yeah. I mean, slavery is a hard thing to talk about. Yes. On both sides of the color line. Right. Absolutely. And, and so, oh, I, I that conversation with Dr. Maslumi and other conversations, you and I have had several, have ha- helped me think about different quilts I want to make, exploring my own family history and their involvement. And the very next quilt I'm making next week is a, kind of a representation from memory of a family burial ground down in South Carolina that I went to visit a couple years ago. I met up with someone who is, lives in the area because... The, the family burial grounds is now way back in the woods. You can't, re- you have to have permission to go on the private land. You got to have somebody to show you because now all the trees have grown up. So what's, what was once a clearing with a stone wall around it is now just part of the forest, right? Wow. And so what is so notable to me, and maybe you and I need to have a follow-up conversation <laughs> off recording. Yes. yes. But what was so notable to me is, so you walk into this little stone wall enclosure when you find it. And at the back end, there's all these tall tombstones erected that have engraved names, have engraved mm-hmm. dates, have Bible verses. I mean, these are like deluxe tombstones, right? Yes. These are the white folks that I was related to. Yeah. But between the entrance to that and those headstones in the back, if you, if you kind of zoom out with your eyes a little bit, you can begin to make out these sunken graves, these indentions in the ground. And you begin to make out these little tiny, just natural rocks that were intentionally placed sticking up a few inches above the ground yeah, yeah. as a marker. And I asked the, the person who took me back there, who led me back there, he says, well, we always assume those were the, the graves of enslaved folks. Or, Which makes sense to me. And the next question then that I have is when we started looking around and tromping around the woods is those were just the graves inside the stone wall. There yeah. were others immediately outside in, yes. the, in the woods themselves. And so, who, what, when, where, why? Like, I want to know all of that. And so, that's something I'm going to be exploring in this next project. And you talking about finding your, I believe, great-grandmother's sister Minerva's tombstone. Right. In such a similar circumstance. When we get together, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go gravestone rubbings, right? I love that. And And um, you're rubbing, are you rubbing on fabric then? I'm. So I haven't started with the fabric. I do newsprint, okay? Really large. But my next thing is to do the fabric. I even take the newsprint and I hide it within the batting of my quilts. And 
I know you did a segment on secrets on the ball. And then, uh, and sometimes I may even create a little special pocket on the back of my quilts and stuff those in there. So lots of surprises, right? I love that segment. Yeah. Well, because it seems to me that you could do a wax rubbing on fabric and then maybe do almost a batik kind of dyeing process with it, right? Yes. A wax resist process. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot lot of experimenting. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I love the gravesite. It fascinates me that as you went further back from your folk and saw the slave sites, I have grave sites like that, but we're all mixed together as well. Yeah. White folks and black folks together? White folks, black folks, Confederate soldiers, Union soldiers. And some of my family members are still to this day, they bury at that Hopewell gravesite where we're all mixed up. It goes back to the 1700s. But see, those dates and those names allow me to come back, research, look up. That's how I find the slave owners, the masters of my ancestors. And how I look up their wheels and I can see just a ton of names. And so as I'm continuing with this series, I'm now working on a new one of a slave named Penny, and she was put on an auction block in her 70s, which is something new that I can't imagine, but I'm recreating that scenario. So that's what I've been doing. Uh, But yeah, my trip to Vietnam, that was very emotional for me. When it was canceled, because I was in this state of mind of listening to the universe, accepting whatever. It wasn't too devastating. That's why I could get right back in the studio and start working, doing the dyes and creating more quilts. And sometimes you got to put something down so you can walk through the door. I just recently heard a story about this guy who decided he was going to paint his living room (laughs) bright red. So he went to the store, got all these gallons of paint, and he was so excited. He had the rollers and everything. And he's coming in the front door with his arms full, And because his arms were full, when he went through the front door, he hit his elbow and paint spilled everywhere. Moral of the story, sometimes we got to put something down in order to cross the threshold. Absolutely. And so you you have some other exciting things on this side of the threshold, right? You're going to France. Yeah, that's because of you, young man. No, I don't know how you figure that because your work speaks for itself. It's incredible. Well... Once you put Evangeline's, well, having our conversation, people got really involved in that. And I realized how many people, of course, you know, have lost their loved ones. This is a big time for us, everybody losing someone. And it impacted me so much that I had to kind of like step away from everything. And I just started that research and getting my physical body moving. But yeah, I was invited to the European 2023 Patchwork Festival in the Alsace area of France, which I've never been to that area. In fact, the last time I was in France, I was in Paris, and this is dating me for sure, but I am paid was putting up his pyramid. 
and so it was time just to go a back. mess all <laughs> over the place. I had to go through a back entrance to get to the Louvre. And I was like, oh my God, what are they doing to the Louvre? This looks terrible, right? It took me a while to appreciate what was going on. But I'm looking forward to France, meeting the other patchwork quilters in that region. They come from all over. I'm focusing on my French. I probably will hire an assistant. I would like a college art student that can do some interpretations for me so I can move about freely and like have real deep conversations of the the history there, uh, especially like in that little area, Santa Maria Mean, where they have those silver mines there. And the quilts are placed sometimes in very old churches. It's just that whole feeling of history that I can't wait to be a part of. So start trying to get your pennies together. I'd love for us to celebrate your birthday there. I mean, the we'll date is out- pretty fortuitous. Yeah, we'll work it out. Work out. Hey, and, and I can speak passable French enough to order oh, us dinner. Oh, that at least. would be so great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Beverly, it is always so good to reconnect with you. Is there anything else that you want to share about the last year or the year ahead, looking forward, that you're particularly excited about? Well, I'm just creating. I just want to let to share with people that you know. Of course, we have the ups and downs. That's part of our existence. But to continue to create, continue to be a part of your passion, no matter what else is going on, find a way to be able to, you know, get that creative intuitiveness out and enjoy life more. That's what I plan to do. Drink more wine. Just, you know, take it easy. And what about you? You're still serious about North Carolina? Still serious about North Carolina. Yeah, I'll be moving there in the in the near future. Western North Carolina, more than likely. So yes. not too far from you. And I'm yes. looking forward to the day when you and I can finally hang out Absolutely. in real life and not look at each other through the through a screen. I but, know. Through- and, but I'll take this for now. This is good. Yeah, me too. And thank you for introducing me to that book by uh, Imani Peters, I think it was. Uh, Perry, South- maybe? Perry, Imani Perry. Perry. Mm-hmm. South to America. Yeah, that was really, I'm still reading it. But I know she's from Alabama. I think she's from Alabama, the South. And how she just really had a soft spot in her heart for people that lived in uh, West Virginia, Kentucky, the mountains of North Carolina. I am the same way. I don't know if I have any real connections there. But as a little girl, I always wanted to live in the hollows. That was always my fantasy. So, uh, yeah, thank you for introducing me to that reading. I've been kind of going back and channeling Toni Morrison, which I thought was very ironic because she mentions her a lot in her book. I've been reading The Song of Solomon again. I couldn't understand it when I was in high school and we were assigned that book. Very difficult reading. But she can take you back to the South. And I mean, she has that vernacular down packed. And now I understand why my grandmother would use certain terms. It was, it was amazing. So I look forward again to uh, for you coming down to North Carolina, being with your family, and us going through the grave sites. Let me show you how to make l- some wax cakes. I can't wait. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah. 
Beverly, this has been such a treat. And if you're listening to this and you haven't heard the conversation that Beverly and I had last year, I highly recommend you scroll back in the feed and give it a listen. It was a powerful conversation. Well, Zach, thank you for everything that you do. I mean, you're caring so many of us. I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. So that's why I feel like, you know, I have to really take care of you. I'll receive it. I'll receive it. Thank you. Yes, yes. What I tell you, Beverly is a treat through and through. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I hope you got something out of it for your own creative practice. And if you got a moment, could you write me a review? I sure would appreciate it. Thank you very much. And now, go sow something good.